0: welcome to the grave my camera's blurry
1: <laughs> well welcome to the grave i'm just gonna ignore the your camera's blurry today i'm going to be talking about edmund Kemper. there is a content warning up here but for the people that may be listening and not watching in the future the content warning is abuse and necrophilia so this is not a very pleasant case but it's quite an interesting one <laughs>
0: So, before that, let's talk for a bit. How are we today, guys? Uh this is obviously the people watching live can answer to us, but for those listening, hi, how are you? I hope you're doing I great. Hope your
1: day is good.
0: I hope you're doing great today. I hope you're having and a great day. I hope day. I don't
1: ruin your day. <laughs> yeah,
0: hopefully I feel like my day is about to get ruined
1: with my eight pages of notes on Edmund Kemper.
0: Oh lord. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I watched I watched a documentary and listened to an episode of a podcast. So
0: let's go. Let's go. I'm so excited to get traumatized. The
1: documentary was good, but like, it, it was an oxygen documentary, and it was I kept getting so many ads. Oh, it was annoying, but like, whatever. It gave N- me the information I needed. But that is not important. Should we get started? Should it's my case? I guess. Yeah, we can yeah, just we get can just started. Get started. I'm so excited. Okay, let's go. So. I have already mentioned that today we're going to be talking about Edmund Kemper, but I'm going to start from the end and then go to the beginning. So on April 24th, 1973, a six foot nine Edmund Emil Kemper III got into a phone booth in Santa Cruz, California, and called the Santa Cruz Sheriff's Department and said, last Saturday morning, about 5.15 a.m., I killed my mother, and approximately 7.15 that evening, I killed a friend of hers. And then when asked why he gave himself up, he said, The original purpose is gone. I just said to hell with it and called it off. And you don't get to know what the original purpose of whatever that is until the ending. So let's start from the beginning. I'm
0: sorry, you said six Uh, foot nine?
1: Yes, six foot nine. Jesus! One hundred or no, two hundred and eighty five pounds. When in the documentary I watched, they said he was basically bigger than the phone booth, and when they went to arrest him, he could rest his hands on top of the phone booth when they were searching him. Yeah.
0: What the hell?
1: Sorry for interrupting. Yeah. I was
0: I just couldn't That's get over right. that.
1: He's he's crazy. <laughs> oh god. Uh, but let's start from the beginning. Uh Edmund Kemper, I'm just gonna call him Ed or Kemper. I think in my notes I go in between the two. I'm not sure mm-hmm. why. Ed was born on December 18th, 1948, in Burbank, California, to Clarnell Kemper and Edmund Kemper Jr. Ed's childhood was not great. From around the age of nine, he witnessed his parents' intense fights, and they were usually led by his mother. Uh, and his father ended up leaving the family when he was nine, uh, and left Ed with his mother. Um, A quote from... Uh, Edmund Jr., uh, Ed's father, was he was a veteran and he said suicide missions in and wartimes and atomic bomb testings were nothing compared to living with her. And that's how he described Damn. Ed's mother. Um, Clarnell was a raging alcoholic who psychologically and emotionally and verbally abused um, Ed. Damn. And uh, Clarnell said that he didn't like that she she never tr- treated Ed with any respect or even just like treated him as a human because she in her mind if she did it would turn him gay what so she was she was um quite the woman um, what the hell and his mother like frequently called him a freak and a real weirdo, which I find rude because like real That's weirdo so weird. sounds like it would be a compliment if it was not coming from Clarnell.
0: Exactly, yeah.
1: Like you're, I'm a, I'm a real weirdo. Like <laughs> I, I, I have a true crime podcast. Like look me. at us, look at us right here. <laughs> but, like Clarnell is a mess of a human. Um. He did have a younger sister and an older sister. Mm -hmm. And he played games with them as a kid. They were... He made up these games. These games were called Gas Chamber and Electric Chair. In Gas Chamber, he would have his sisters lock him in a room and pretend to flip a switch. And then he would pretend to die by gas. What? And then an electric chair. It's around the same where his sisters would pretend strap him to a chair and then pretend to flip a switch. And he would pretend to die. What? on there were a lot of um, signs as yeah. uh, a child. His mother was actually afraid of him, which, like, as much as I hate Clarnell, I, I understand. Yeah. Um, but his, his room was, in, it was the basement. But this basement had no lights and no windows, and the only entrance and exit was a trap door that locked and was under the dining room table, so the only way out of his room was Clarnell letting him out. What the so hell? So he was just trapped down there. What? And this story, I... This story is just interesting because it's, like, red flags. Uh, when he, he was young, he had a crush on his teacher, because, like, some kids, like, do that when they're yeah, young. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and he told his sisters about it, and um, when... He told his sisters, his sisters teased him, and said, "Um, it was like, you should kiss her. Oh, my God, you have a crush. Kiss her. And he said, and his response was, if I kiss her, I'd have to kill her first.
0: So there was Whoa, okay. definitely
1: uh, something going on there. I actually did not write down the quote that I texted you. This is, okay, He's, this is him describing what he thinks when he sees a woman. Yes. He said, One side of me says, I'd like to take her on a date. The other side of me says, I wonder what her head would look like on a stick. Something that is so interesting about this case to me is he, you could sit down with him. He's still alive. We could go sit down with him and be like, hey, Ed. And he'd be like, okay, so this is why I did it. Like, you don't, he just talks and talks and talks. And that's why there's so much information on everything that he's done in his entire life is because he loves to talk about things oh, so like wow. it's a fascinating case. you can definitely see a lot w- is wrong with him um but yeah um also in his childhood i have a lot of stuff on his childhood Ooh, uh, good. he um his sister had a ton of dolls that she loved mm-hmm. and ed started like taking them and like, cutting off the heads and arms and legs of these dolls. um. But sadly, I'm not going to go into it at all, but this is a trigger warning for animal cruelty. Oh, no. Uh, When he was around 10 years old, the family's cats and the neighborhood animals started to go missing. Oh. And I'm not going to get into the specifics of that because that's horrible, but that is a big like sign oh yeah and also some uh somebody in my chat said didn't have a high iq i did forget to mention that his iq is 140 so he's like a brilliant monster i don't know why i don't have that in my notes but like he's quite a conundrum um he says but yeah around the age of 15 he got tired of Clardell's shit which like i get and he ran away to his father's house Mm-hmm. And I didn't, write. it was also in California, but in another place. I don't know why I didn't write down where it was. But um, at this point, his father had already remarried and had a stepkid. He oh. allowed Ed to stay in his house for a small amount of time. But then they just decided he couldn't fit into his new family. Oh, which, no. Ed, I will say, I hate Ed Kemper, but you can feel bad for the kid and not for, like, the adult yeah like that's he's had so much rejection Mm -hmm. in his life so far and that was another huge rejection but after this his father sent him to live with his paternal grandparents Edmund the first and (laughs) Maude Kemper Ed loved his grandfather which is weird because he is just a true fucking sociopath but he clearly did care for his father his grandfather which I find very interesting yeah but he hated his grandmother because Maud was very domineering and very controlling, and reminded mm. Ed of his mother, Clarnell. Uh. Um His grandfather ended up getting him a rifle as a present.
0: What the? And
1: he, I don't know. It, they lived on a farm. Oh, and it, was, it, okay. it was like it was around like the '50s, '60s. So like
0: that, that, whatever. that makes sense. But, yeah.
1: Uh, but he started shooting birds around the farm. Oh and Lord. And him and his. Um, Grandma uh, got into a fight about that, and his and Maud took his gun. And I believe that this is the argument that led to what I'm about to get to next, but I'm not completely sure. Uh, dur- during either this argument or another argument, Ed ends up getting his gun, and he shoots his grandmother Maud in the back of the head and a couple times in the back. And I saw in like some sources that there were also like post—I don't even—I don't remember the scientific term. Like there were stab wounds after she had died. Postmortem. I don't know why I Postmortem. Thank you. Postmortem stab yeah. wounds to her. But I'm not completely sure because I heard it in a podcast, but I did not see it in the documentary, so I'm not quite sure. Mm, okay. Um. But then his grandfather, who was not home at the time, got home from grocery shopping. And Ed ended up shooting and killing him in the driveway because he didn't want his grandfather to see his dead wife,
0: which is really interesting
1: because that shows some sort of remorse. Yeah. But then his reasoning for why he shot Maude was, this is a quote, I just wanted to see what it felt like to shoot grandma.
0: What the hell?
1: You can tell how he feels about women. Yes. Like with his grandfather, he's like, I didn't want him to see his dead wife but with his uh, grandmother, he's like, I just wanted to see how, like, if that- I I just
0: want to see how it's like to shoot good old grandma. Oh, lord. He's- He's
1: interesting. Oh, gosh. Um, He did get arrested for that. I don't know if he turned himself in or he just got arrested, but he got arrested, and when he was arrested, he was diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia by Mm. a court psychologist, but then that was later changed once he was sentenced to a mental hospital, he was sentenced to the Atascadero State Hospital for the Criminally Insane. When he got there, they said he was not insane, and the killing of his grandparents was just displaced rage against his parents for rejecting him. Oh, which makes a lot of sense.
0: It does. At this
1: point, he was only 15. Only 15. He was, he was only 15, but I have it written down that he was uh six foot seven and a half. Oh my god. So that's like, yeah. <laughs> um but because, like he wasn't this is a mental hospital for the criminally insane, and mm-hmm. he was not criminally insane. The hospital didn't really know what to do with him. So they kind of just like locked him away oh. from and the age of fifteen when he got there, and he ended up being let out at um age of twenty one.
0: oh, six uh, years.
1: yeah. Damn. And he developed in isolation because that's like a very important part of your life, like mm-hmm. fifteen to twenty one he just developed incomplete isolation or if he wasn't in isolation he was surrounded by literally like criminal and cr- criminals and criminally insane people yeah. I actually do have um his IQ written down i was wrong it's 145 uh which is insane yeah. um and this high IQ along with his natural charm he is insanely charming and you'll see really? that with, like his crime future yeah he like He knew how to manipulate and get people to, like, do what he wanted. Wow. Um, But this allowed... This easily made people feel comfortable with him, which is quite Mm -hmm. interesting. Uh, While he was at Atascadero, he was a model prisoner. Mm -hmm. Uh, They always are. (laughs) This allowed him to gain a lot of perks. And they, they even let him administer psychiatric tests on other prisoners. What? Um, this, which allowed him to learn the ins and and outs of these tests, of course, making it where when he gets these tests in the future, he can easily lie and make it seem like he's completely fit. Um, when he was released at 21, he, the psychiatrist that released him thought that he was no longer a threat to himself or others and that he had just snapped. Um, and against, but though, against all of the psychiatrists, I, like, thoughts were, they were like, don't go back to your mother when you get out of jail, just like, or prison, or the mental hospital, I don't remember which one is which. Mm-hmm. Anyways, when you get out, don't, like, cut off all contact with your mother, because she is why you snapped. But then when he was paroled, he was released back into the custody of his mother.
0: Oh, come on!
1: Um... But after being in the mental hospital from age 15 to 21, he just, he didn't know how to fit in with people his age because he was just basically stunted at the age of 15. Mm -hmm. Though he was brilliant and very charming, he doesn't know how to interact with people his age because he's always interacted with not really many people. Um... But it also did not help that his mother was still constantly bullying him and saying things like, a um, woman will never love you because you're a freak and you're oh a real gosh. weirdo. And, like, she was horrible to him. Um, Even after he got out? Yeah. Oh, my God. She never stopped being horrible to him. But, um, weirdly enough, he ended up finding his, like, place by becoming friends with cops. What? Um, he actually wanted to be a police officer for a while. While, but the only and the only reason he could not become a police officer was he was too large, because what? he was too tall and like too big, which is a lot. Um, for a while he frequently he frequented a cop bar called the Jury Room, mm-hmm. which it sucks. Ed Kipper went there, but I do have to say that's a great name for a cop, like a bar that cops frequent. A jury room. <laughs> Anyways, um, but. He would even like when the co ed killings uh, started, he would sit and talk to the officers about said killings without them having any idea that, that he was it was him.
0: Killer. Oh my yeah. god.
1: Uh, what What
0: is it with police officers and not realizing that they're like interacting with a killer sometimes?
1: I don't know. He was smart and charming. That's crazy. That makes sense. But, yeah. Yeah. But, um,. Before his first, mur- or actually within nine months of living his- with his mother, he killed his first hitchhiker. He This was the 70s, and mo- all of his victims, except for the first two and the last two, were hitchhikers. Mm-hmm. Uh, before his first murders, he would actually pick up and drop off over fi- 150 hitchhiking women without any problems. And he just did so so that he could meet people and learn how to talk to people his own age, especially women. Mm. Um, But then he started to put a gun in his car to build up to his first murder. And he called this buildup a fantastic passion, which, like, I wouldn't call it that um, at all. But then he did commit uh, his first murder. uh, Well, first murders at the same time after an argument with his mother. You will notice that um, every single time he... Uh, Kills somebody, it was directly after an argument with his mother. So the
0: psychiatrist was right. His mother's one made him snap. Yep. And
1: police in his
0: officers first,
1: like... his In his first murder, he killed two girls. Their names were Marianne Pesci, she was 18, and, and Anita Luchessa, who was 18 as well. Uh, they were Fresno State University students, and this was on May 7th, 1972. Mm-hmm. They were hitchhiking to Stanford University. He picked them up and he drove them into a deserted area and handcuffed Mary Ann and locked Anita in the trunk. He tried suffocating Mary Ann with uh, a bag, but she bit through the bag and fought extremely hard. Mm. Um, He ended up stabbing her because that was all that he could think of doing at the time since the suffocation was not working. Mm -hmm. Um, But, and when she didn't like fall... Dead after the first stab, he was surprised because this is where like the fifteen-year-old mindset. Comes yeah. In. Surprised because you watch movies and somebody gets stabbed and they die and, and, and they, they immediately give. die. Like, yeah. He expected that to happen, but she fought back, and he said that stabbing her was actually extremely upsetting for him. Weirdly, not hmm. because he felt remorseful, but because he was pissed off. Because of how long it was taking.
0: Oh. And
1: also something weird was he he could have just like so this is sad to think about, but he could have just stabbed her heart and made it quicker. Yeah. But he said he didn't want to do that because his breast her breasts were there. And while murdering her, he brushed against her breast and um in the middle of it and apologized to her for accidentally touching her breasts. So that's once what again, where the 15-year-old
0: like remorse comes in, in like really random places. Yeah. Like, um, oh, sorry I touched you there, but I'm not sorry for doing this to you.
1: Yeah. Like what it's, the fuck? He's quite an interesting person. Um he ended up ending her life by cutting her throat ear to ear. Ooh, which is horrifying. Jesus. Um, he went back to Anita Who was in the trunk uh, after killing Marianne? And um, he was, of course, covered in blood after all of that. Um, He said that putting her in, I don't know, I don't think he said it to Anita, but he said this later in an interview that putting Anita in the trunk was doing her a favor. So he didn't have to see what she was doing, what he was doing to her friend. But then he said, when Anita asked about the blood, she he said this is so such a weird excuse to come up with. He said he had hit her friend in the nose and that's where all of the blood had come from and she needs to go check up on Mary uh Marianne to see if her nose is okay. So he's clearly leading mm-hmm. like her there. He attempted to stab Anita, but the knife was too dull oh. uh, after all of that, so he ended up strangling her. Um, he bought. He brought both of the bodies back to the apartment by storing them in the trunk. And on the way home, I brought this up last week, not saying like anything about it. But on the way home, he got pulled over by a police officer for having a broken tail light.
0: Oh. And he had
1: a Marion, uh, Pesci and Anita Lucessa's bodies in the trunk. No. And the cop didn't search the trunk because and just let him go because of how charming he was even after Uh, being
0: stained in blood
1: i don't know if he was covered in blood because that's like really weird but it seems like yeah he was probably still covered in blood what the hell um after this he got back home and he um performed the act of necrophilia with the the girl's body and then dismembered them and defiled their decapitated heads this it becomes a trend with all all of his victims i'm going to mention it every time but like i'm not gonna like harp on it or anything it's just important to the case because that is what he did every single time jesus Um,
0: christ
1: he ended up throw. He put them after dismembering their bodies. He placed them into plastic bags, and threw them. And he threw the heads into a ravine and-, and dumped the bodies elsewhere. And the end. Only Marianne's head was found, and nothing else of any of either of the girls.
0: Jesus.
1: Um. After this, he just goes back to giving women hitchhikers rides like nothing happened. What um, the
0: fuck? Yeah. Oh my uh, god. The reason.
1: For killing those two was just a displaced rage once again because he was right after an argument with his, his mother. mother. Yeah. He also, weird fact, if he would never kill a woman if they brought up the case while he was giving them a ride. This is, before we talk about the third victim, I want to say a quote from him talking about the next victim. She told me he, she was going to be late for her ballet class, and I told her she wasn't going to make it that night, indicating that I wasn't going to do anything severely wrong with her. I assured her that she wouldn't be hurt, but at that time, I intended on killing her. So, let's talk about victim number three. This was Ayakuku. She was a 15-year-old ballet no. dancer.
0: 15!
1: Um, yeah. She uh, had, this was on September 14th, 1972, same year. Uh, she had missed her bus, but she really, she really wanted to go to dance class. So she decided she was going to hitchhike. No. Um. He immediately took out his gun to scare her, and it did scare her. And basically, this is weird. He told her, "I'm going to kill myself, and I want you here as a witness. If you struggle or try to get away, I'll kill you too," which is really weird mm-hmm. because he had no. You could hear from the quote that I said before. Before this, like he had just intended on killing her, and it's horrible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, he then, like he did with Marianne and Anita, uh, drove her to a deserted area. At some point. In this area, he locked the keys and the gun in the car with Aikoku and um, ended up ch- charming his way back into the car. And with Le- and she let him back into the car.
0: No, no.
1: Um, But in Aikoku, she fought back against him really hard. She was 15 and he was, I believe, 31 oh at the time. Oh my gosh. But she fucking fought. And, um, but then he strangled her to death with her own scarf.
0: Oh, no! But this is
1: something where the 15-year-old comes back, and I'm not laughing at anything that's happening besides the fact that this is so fucking dumb. He tried to suffocate her to death by sticking his fingers up her nose. What? Like but like you also can breathe through your mouth yeah like he's brilliant and like cutting and fucking horrible
0: but like like, obviously being isolated
1: like he's yeah it like very intelligent but he lacks so much I guess wisdom yeah, is like a word I'm looking for because he or just like maturity
0: yeah because like he he gonna, was isolated like during those yeah. important developmental times so obviously his mind and is stuck also, back
1: and his childhood was horrible it he was. didn't really have much time at all to develop there's a lot of there's definitely has to be nature in all of this mm-hmm. to have led him to do all of these horrible things but
0: uh oh, she froze.
1: Shinny, are you there?
0: No. Oh, there you go. Are you back? There you go.
1: Reconnection successful. Okay. Okay. My stream is back okay. On. Woo! Woo! Um. Anyways, that was a nice little moment of happiness before but before we go back to the traumatized. Okay. Um. Back after this. After he killed her, he immediately defiled her corpse. Um, what on does his defiled way mean home it's necrophilia oh damn it uh, yeah um on his way home he with her i believe in the trunk he uh stopped for a beer and <laughs> went to the bar and stopped for a beer like got a beer and chatted with people and then he got home and he dismembered her corpse and defiled it once again
0: Oh, her body
1: was actually never found. Really? This shows another thing about how um he likes to talk because he we know all of this without even having her body. Yeah. Um but also, on the way of disposing of her decapitated head, he stopped on his schedule court mandated mandated psychiatrist appointment. Oh and at my that appointment, god. At that appointment, with her decapitated head in his trunk, he was officially deemed no longer to be a threat to himself or others. You're kidding me! While he had the decapitated head of Ayakoku and a 15-year-old girl who just wanted to go to ballet class in the trunk of his car parked outside.
0: Oh. my no. Is that how charming he was? That he could literally, like, get his way out of it? And be like, yeah, I'm totally not a danger to society anymore. Has the body of a young girl in his trunk.
1: Yeah. Remember also um, he with the whole thing where uh, he got to administer those psychiatric tests. Well, oh, test yeah, Or right. a state mental hospital. He knows the how to correct answers. Yeah. To make him seem like sane. He is technically sane. I wouldn't say anything he's doing is sane, but like he's criminally sane.
0: I just um, hope that the people that are listening know if you can't see me, I am in disbelief, and I am like throwing myself around my chair.
1: Yeah, I was like that when I first found out about this case, but after listen like just as doing so much of this case for the past week, I'm just like,, Ugh. <laughs> I'm just so done with it. It's so <sighs> anyway.
0: frustrating.
1: Yeah. Um, at this point, after three um, hitchhiking uh, hitchhikers from the same Santa Cruz area had gone missing, he the police started saying, "Don't accept rides from strangers." Mm-hmm. Obviously, but this was the '70s. Everybody was accepting rides from strangers.
0: And um, look at this now, Uber.
1: <laughs> Ooh, I didn't even think about that. Uber <laughs> better than hitchhiking. Anyways, um, at this point, like I said police started saying do not accept rides from strangers mm-hmm. uh, but police were also saying do not um, especially do not get in the car if uh, the car does not have a university sticker I'm not quite sure why they said that it was mm-hmm. probably like the they know their staff so like they know none of their staff would do this mm-hmm. but guess who had a university sticker god damn it Edmund Kemper uh, his mother worked at UC Santa Cruz, so uh. he. Um, but with his mom working at UC Santa Cruz, he ends up he attributes why he killed coeds to his mom working with them, because uh, here's a quote from him: "They represented not what my mother was, but what she liked, what she coveted, what was important to her, and I was destroying it." So there's that. Um.
0: At this oh point, I believe
1: he had been living in an apartment with like, another with a roommate but his mother would like still come visit him and torment him for some reason. Mm. Um, at this point, as you would expect, you don't get a lot of money for murdering people, so <laughs> no. he could no longer pay his rent and he um, ended up moving back in with his mother. No! um, Great idea. Lovely. At this point, I fucking hate this quote from him. He uh bought a twenty-two caliber pistol. Don't really know what that is, but that is what he bought. Uh, and he quote went bananas after he bought it, which um pisses me off because I say that sometimes. Oh no! <laughs> Saying like bananas, like mm-hmm. this shit is bananas. You know the whole song, like that. Just he ruined it. It's so bad. Uh, but. Yeah, he went bananas when he got this uh, pistol, this twenty-two caliber pistol. And now to talk about his fourth victim. His fourth victim was Cindy Shawl. She was 19. Once again, he picked her up while she was hitchhiking. Yeah. I don't have as much information on this one. I'm not sure why. This was in, on January 7th, 1973, once again, after a fight with his mother. Oh my um, God. He He murdered her by shooting her with his gun. Um, he ended up keeping her body in a closet for, in his closet for a bit, which what? is actually, like, that happens a couple times. Uh-huh. Then, as usual, he d- dismembered and defiled her corpse and, uh, head.
0: Um, Jesus But he dismembered Christ.
1: her with an axe Ooh. in his mother's shower, which is another real oh,
0: to no. his Oh,
1: Um, but... He, cont- I, he continued to defile her score her skull for several days after everything oh, ew. He um threw then threw the pieces of her body into a nearby ravine minus her head. Um But now that he has a gun, this is interesting. He always removes the bullet from the victim's skull. Hmm. Um but Multiple days after all of this, he buried Cindy's skull in the garden, this is crazy, in the garden, in his back, his, his mother's backyard. No. Uh, and faced her head to look up at the window because, quote, my mother always wanted people to look up to her.
0: Oh my god, that is like
1: a fuck you to his mother. Yeah.
0: That is the biggest he, fuck you, my god.
1: He takes his mommy issues to another fucking level.
0: What is it with he serial killers insane. and having parental issues?
1: I know, but like his is his fucking.
0: His is is His are crazy.
1: Okay, these are his final two victims that were hitchhikers. He does mm. have two more after this. Jesus. Um, his fifth and sixth victims happened. Um, once again after an extremely horrible fight with his mother.
0: It's always the mother.
1: After an extremely bad fight with his mother. This was on February 5th, 1973. These were um, UC Santa Cruz students Rosalind Thorpe and Allison Liu. I could not I think I said Liu. It's L-I-U Liu? Liu maybe. But they were both in their early 20s, and I could not find their exact ages because, like, Wikipedia said something different. The podcast I listened to said something. And I think the, like, I just, I couldn't find one set mm-hmm. thing on their ages, which was interesting, but whatever. Uh, he shot them both in the head uh, while he was still on the university campus. What? Um, How did this man not get yeah. caught? On his way out of the campus. Uh, with Rosalind and Allison's bodies in his car He passed right by campus security guard And oh let him go Oh
0: my god um,
1: He has two stories on How this happened Number one is he covered the bodies with a blanket And told the security guard That these two were drunk And he was just taking them home And the second one was the guard was just asleep So he just got past him mm. I don't know why he has two different stories That are so mm-hmm. different but those are his two stories that he told. Interesting. Um, But then he, when he gets back home, he pulls into his driveway and decapitates and dismembers both of them in the trunk of his car in the middle of his driveway. You're kidding me.
0: How did this man seriously not get caught?
1: It was at night, I believe. Oh, but if somebody walked God. past, it would have been in full view. Of exactly. If they had like, walked or driven past. Um, then once again he uh, defiled the corpses and the heads and then a couple days later he dumped them in separate places after dismembering them Um, so those were his last two hitchhiking victims and like co-ed victims and now for his 7th and 8th and his final victims his mother, Clarinelle Kemper and her best friend, Sally Hallett
0: Jesus, this is where it's gonna get interesting, I bet
1: yeah, it's what I started with with him turning himself in. Mm-hmm. On April twentieth, nineteen um, seventy-three, he killed his mother and her best friend. Um, he he killed her with a claw hammer. Um, he beat her to death with a claw hammer. I'm not oh, exactly wow. sure what a claw hammer is. I just realized that I cannot like imagine what it is. Yeah, it
0: me up. neither. Let me let me see.
1: Oh, it's just a normal hammer. It's also a banjo, but I ah. don't think he did that with a banjo. Yeah, I thought so it was a I banjo.
0: Just,
1: it's just a normal hammer. Okay. Uh, not a banjo. <laughs> nope.
0: We hope sure. that it wasn't a banjo.
1: Yeah. Anyways, um, but he actually—I did not. I don't have this written down, but I saw. I think I heard it in the podcast and saw it on in the documentary. The documentary was I think Kemper on Kemper, but I don't remember what the rest of it was called. I'll link it in like the show notes and on YouTube. But um it he he killed her because she got home really late after a night of drinking mm-hmm. um and woke her up. And woke him up. I think it was around two, three AM. And he went into her room after this and she she was reading a book. And I think he mentioned it was, like, a paperback book, like he, she always did. And she said, oh, I suppose you're gonna want to stay up and talk all night. It' like, something like that. Like, oh, great, my son wants to talk to me. Like, mm-hmm. shit like that. And she seemed pissed. And he said no and left the room. And then he came back and ended up beating her to death with a claw hammer.
0: Jesus. Um,
1: and this shows where he takes mommy issues to another level. Um he ended up after dismembering her like he usually does he uh he used her head as a dartboard and screamed and like put it up on a dresser and screamed at it for hours over multiple days
0: he also what
1: ended up cutting out her tongue and her larynx which i believe is like voice box uh-huh. uh and throwing it down the garbage disposal oh my and god um, uh, yeah.
0: Jesus.
1: And then, and this is another quote from him. This is a common argument that I had between him, between them before she passed away, of course. She would say, for seven years, I have not had sex with a man because of you, my murderous son. Which is interesting to me because she says murderous son. I think it, I, I don't think that's a quote from her. It's a quote from him. So, like, mm-hmm. maybe he's taking it to his own, like mine. Mm-hmm. But, um... So then once he killed her, he defiled her corpse and said, there, now you've had, like, sex with a man.
0: Oh my god.
1: Yeah, this one is, like, fucking, it's uh, it's so bad. Uh, Anyways, um, then he put her body in a closet and went out for a drink. Oh my god! This man! This man! Uh Uh-huh. What's also really interesting is I heard clips from his interview talking about this murder and he started crying, Oh. which is really weird. That, Fucking crocodile tears, if you ask me. But Jesus. Like, like, he clearly, it was so much rage in that moment, but hearing him talk about it, he sounds so regretful, which is so weird. Like, it's just some, like, twisted form of regret. yeah. Because he, because he also mentions, he says, I know, I knew a week before she died that I was going to kill her. Oh, wow. Like, I get, uh,
0: these people, uh, they're like brains are like fascinating, but like terrifying at the same time. Yeah.
1: That same day after he, I guess, came home from having a drink, uh, he called his mother's best friend, 59 year old Sally Hallett. i I'm not quite sure how Clarnell was when she died. I'm not sure why I don't have that written down, but I do not. Uh, And he called Sally and asked her to come over for dinner. Once she got there, he almost immediately strangled her to death, dismembered her, and once again defiled her corpse. Oh, Um, wow. And then after that, he stuffed her in a closet, too. And then he stole her car and um, started driving and somehow ended up in Pueblo, Colorado.
0: Oh, whoa.
1: Okay. I don't know how I got this wrong. At the end, I said it says he ended up in Pueblo, Colorado, but at the beginning, I said that he was in a phone booth in Santa Cruz. I believe yeah. that Pueblo, Colorado is correct, but I'm not completely sure. Mm-hmm. But wherever he was, he pulled over and got into a payphone and did what I started this whole thing with calling the police. Mm. I would end it there to like end it where I started it, but I would like to mention that he had to call the police for a second time oh after calling God. them because they thought he was joking because he was friends with so many with, of the police officers. Remember, yeah. police officers talked to him about said like killings. the said
0: killings. yeah.
1: But he, he just confessed to his mother and his mother's best friend killing, but how he got them to actually believe him was when he confessed to the to the co-ed killings.
0: Oh wow. Um
1: he ended up I don't remember if he went to trial, but he got sentenced to seven life sentences, which oh I have to God. say not fucking enough. Yeah, he got sentenced to seven life sentences, but he actually asked the judge if he could be sentenced to death uh by torture. Oh, which I find interesting. That's just a random fact. I don't know why yeah. Okay, so that's all my notes. I don't know how Jesus I got through that.
0: so quickly. Oh but... my God, that case is insane. Yeah, how do you guys feel after that? I'm feeling wonderful
1: in the sarcastic t- tone.
0: If I talk oh, yeah. to my parents about this case, they're going to be like, stop looking into it.
1: Have <laughs> you ever seen um, Mindhunter or heard about Mindhunter? <laughs>
0: No, actually. Show.
1: It's a show. It's uh based off of a book called Mind Hunter. Um, why is my monitor so glitchy? Anyways, it's not at all important. Um but it's a show it was only for two seasons for some reason. It was like a really well received show, but I think it was just too expensive to do. It was mm-hmm. a Netflix original. Um and it's basically about the it was uh <laughs> basically about the creation of the behavioral sciences unit and the FBI.
0: Oh.
1: Um. And, uh, Ed Kemper was basically one of the main reasons that they started the behavioral science unit because, mm. um, that's when they sat down to talk to him and got so much information about the pathology of him and like serial killers. They realized we can't just like continue to be like, oh, we caught that serial killer. And first of all, they didn't even know they didn't have a word for yeah. serial killer. It started off as like multiple murderer, mm-hmm. but um basically they were like well he's in jail we don't have to worry about it anymore and they like stopped thinking about stuff like that but um like when they started talking to Ed Kemper they were like oh now we can understand their pathology and like start trying to prevent it mm-hmm. and stuff like that because he talked so much about it that he helped like establish the FBI behavioral sciences yeah it's a fascinating show i recommend watching mindhunter if you haven't already but I will say it does end on a cliffhanger in season two, and will not be coming back for season three. Oh dang! So it's upsetting. Is it's it gory
0: of any sorts? Yeah. It oh, is. I'll be uh, fine.
1: <laughs> but have have this is I promise this has this has to do with what we're talking about. Have you seen the Hamilton Pro shot? Yes. <laughs> you know the king.
0: Yes, uh, Jonathan Groff. Groff?
1: Yeah, he's the main character in Mindhunter and becomes obsessed with Edmund Kemper because he, and he's an FBI agent, he plays the FBI agent that starts the behavioral science Oh my team. god, that's
0: a great correlation.
1: Yeah, because I remember I was watching the pro shot and I was like, why does that guy look so familiar to me? And I looked at up. I was like, fucking Holden? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But... Yeah, Ed Kemper is fucking fascinating and mm-hmm. fucking terrifying. Terrifying. As much as his case fascinates me, I'm very glad that I'm done with researching that. Something. Why did my sister text me? <laughs> I'm being loud.
0: This happened last week too. Your sister texted you.
1: It's my other sister. She's. Oh, this is really sweet. This is sweet. So we just talked about something traumatizing. Hey, hey, Evie, that's my real name. Uh, uh. So I do if you're podcasting right now, but I know damn well you probably haven't eaten. I have. But, <laughs> uh, she said, "So there's spam, uh, there's spam and spam sushi in the fridge. You need to eat. I can bring you some up if you need." Oh, that's so sweet. That's so sweet. <laughs> Anyways, so she makes good spam su- sushi though. Anyways, but uh, we have. I don't know what the fuck. Um listen notes is because i think it's only a website I yeah
0: we actually. got we got i got the email too and i'm yeah. like
1: interesting
0: but yeah. we're on there
1: we're oh you can't see it there's an ad anyways but there's our episode one of the zodiac where i literally listened to our episode how was festival. it i was like damn we're good <laughs> it's on youtube i promise our next this episode okay so i'm just gonna say what i hope our schedule is gonna be yes i i will be saying we can hold this for like we can probably start holding this for like a week or two but i start college very soon i start no school in 10 idea. days yeah I'm but i'm about to move to a whole other state and oh live with in a dorm room with people that i have never met before oh i know right. my like roommate but like I'm gonna try to make this as constant as possible, but it's gonna be kind of an issue at at the beginning of college.
0: Yeah. So if we miss, yeah, yeah. if we miss a week or two, then that's we will keep you updated. We will keep you updated Um, on Twitter and let you guys know if we have like any issues with a episode. Um, we're gonna try to do like mini Spotify exclusive stuff. Midweek,
1: we will be doing that. We
0: will see how that goes because, like we said, we start school in literally less than two weeks.
1: I do have to say it won't only be Spotify inclusive, because like it'll it'll be on Spotify, but like we just say that because it's so much easier listing the entire list of different apps. But I can look at what like we have. Basically, so far we are we are eligible to post on Spotify, Amazon Music, Samsung Pod, Samsung Podcasts. Podcast index, listen notes, and yeah, that's it f- so far because everything else you have to pay for mm-hmm. eventually. We will probably start paying for that, but that is what yes. we have currently.
0: Yeah, but that's going to be the end of today's episode, I'm guessing. Yeah. Yeah, I had a lot of fun. That was fun, yet yes. very traumatizing.
1: Yes, I'm glad that we had that little like random ramble. Yes, <laughs> to lighten the mood. To lighten
0: the mood, because oh yeah. boy.
1: Yeah, that, that was the end so,
0: so thank you yeah, guys, guys for listening
1: i hope that you i guess enjoyed
0: yeah I Or hope you
1: weren't traumatized too badly i hope
0: your day wasn't ruined
1: i hope your day wasn't ruined yeah
0: Bye. um but thank you guys um, for watching uh i'm gonna put the um, link again to our card or listening true um but we have a card with all our socials wait oh i accidentally deafened my bad um, so <laughs> we have a card with all of our socials um, it's https colon two slashes with 2 rsco yep. so if you want to find all of our socials me and jenny's twitches, our personal accounts our public yep. accounts, our shared accounts then all the links are there but once again we really appreciate you guys listening um, we had a crap yeah. ton of fun and I we will we really see you guys in the next episode what
1: were you yeah, going to say, we'll Jenny see you next week. I was just going to say that. We'll see you next week. I hope you guys enjoyed. I didn't traumatize you too badly. Yeah.
0: Yeah, we Bye, should. Guys. Bye.
1: Bye.